Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching recently. I am Terry. And I am Mary Beth. And this week we're talking about vampire anime, bisexual murderers, mm. a not-horror movie that's totally a horror movie, a masterpiece, and then we don our magic glasses to see some ghosts in Thur 13 Een. <laughs> <laughs> yes! I couldn't stop thinking about that when I was watching <laughs> Uh, so before we do talk about movies, there's something I think you need to know about me, Mary Beth. Oh, I, I don't know if it's apparent yet. Um, I'm gay. Holy shit, Terry! I thank know. you for telling me. I really I know. Thank you. And <laughs> rumor has it that you're also queer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm bisexual. Yeah. I, I like it the ladies and the dudes and everyone and in between. I like it to everyone. This is Pride Month. Yeah. So it's almost homophobic if we don't get reviews yes it is homophobic <laughs> i have declared it homophobic review us so, bitch <laughs> it has been um <laughs> it has been like a little over a month since we had our last review and uh not to harp on it but reviews are really important and i know some people once we get to the very end tail end of the of the episode people just naturally leave i leave too before we, everyone finishes talking about their outros so you might not see us talk about it but Please review, rate, and subscribe because Please. it does help us out. It does a lot. I know and it's Pride love Month. Us. It's Pride Month, so celebrate your queer creators. Thank you. Please do because we're both <laughs> both gay. That'd be cool. <laughs> okay, so t- let's pivot from that to bisexual murderers. Yes? Question mark. So okay, I watched May. Yeah. Um, it is for. My other podcast, Watch Once, Never Again, which is out now, that episode. But I had to bring up May on this podcast. One, to be a shameless plug, but also because, holy shit, that movie is phenomenal. 
It's so good. Um, it's so weird. Mm. And Angela Bettis is so fucking good. Angela mm-hmm. Bettis, right? Yeah. As May. And it's interesting calling it a bisexual horror movie in that like it is obviously she has a sexual relationship with a man and a woman. But I I have a lot of thoughts about if she's actually bisexual or if she's being manipulated. So mm. it's interesting. I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure how I feel about it quite yet. But it definitely is bisexual. Like I feel the bisexual vibes from that movie. A lot of people have have uh, claimed it is is bisexual for sure. Yeah, which I love because bisexuality is like not really seen in a lot of horror or in general in media because biphobia and thinking mm-hmm. that bisexuality is not real and that it's a phase. So it's Bi- really sure. Yay. So it's really nice to see a film that really embraces that and doesn't make it like a spectacle or like brings a lot of attention to it. It's just like there's queer characters and they're just queer. It's not like some coming out moment or some like big thing that is made like, oh, my God, they're gay. It's their central identity. So I really love that movie. Lucky McKee makes some fucking weird Hmm. films like The Woman, which holy shit, watched that movie and didn't expect any of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I really like his films, and I really am so glad I finally watched May. I know a lot of people have been saying that I needed to watch it and that I'd really love it, and I did. Um, it's fucking crazy. The ending is wild. She makes a human doll, Frankenstein <laughs> style, out of like all the people that have wronged her, and it's just great. I get excision. I see excision, like how excision probably drew some mm-hmm. inspiration from it. Mm-hmm. And I always love when a male director can so carefully create female characters and like their experiences. Cause it's just, you know, I don't think men can't do that. But, you know, there's sometimes very troubling representations of female characters. And I mm-hmm. think McKee really did a really good job. And a careful job creating May as a complex character. So I really appreciated that. So it's an all-around good movie, especially if you're one of the weirdos and grew up as a weirdo. And want to watch a movie where the weirdo gets revenge on all of the people who call her a freak. So highly recommend. It's on Tubi. So you can watch it for free. There's commercials, which is weird. (laughs) Like in the middle of things happening, there's like commercials. I'm like... I know. Takes me out of it a little bit. I have used Tubi. It's not my favorite go-to, even though it has like a plethora of movies. It's not my favorite go-to because I cannot stand commercials. No, I can't either. It's like watching a movie on TV and Mm -hmm. it's annoying and all the commercials are terrible. But anyway, I digress. Yes, I'm so glad I finally watched May. So Me too. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but um, I remember liking it a whole lot. And Anna Ferris is in it. Anna Ferris. Oh my god, Sorry. she's so fucking good as Polly. I just love Anna Ferris. I wish she was in more stuff. She's just Me phenomenal. Too. I love her acting. She's like knows exactly the characters she's playing and just leans into mm-hmm. it so well. And I just think she's super talented. And I'm glad love she's her. not married to Chris Pratt anymore. Oh, me too. Who is now a weird conservative. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And you can hear more about that on Watch Once Never Again if you're so inclined, where I talk more about bisexuality and all that good stuff. But I would be remiss to mention on our queer-ass podcast mm-hmm. that I watched a bisexual murderer movie. But Terry, oh, tell yeah. me about a not-horror movie that's totally mm. a horror movie. Okay, so this last Friday, I was like, I'm going to take a break from doing everything that I've been doing and just sort of like watch a movie for fun. 
whoa, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I, I know. I didn't have my laptop in front of me. I wasn't scribbling down every piece of dialogue or writing six pages of notes on things. I was actually just watching a movie. And, okay, the horror might be tenuous, but I'm still going to stick with it because we'll get to that. It's Plan B. Okay, okay, on Hulu. Have you have you seen it? Yet? No, I've just read a bit about it. So it follows this straight-laced high school student and her slacker best friend. Okay. Who, um, so she's like, the main character, her name is Sunny, and she, her mom is a real estate agent, and she's a single mom, and she like expects Sunny to have these high expectations for herself, like be the best in everything she does. So she's very... um. She's very straight laced and she's very like holding everything in, but she just really wants to do something fun. And okay. there's this adorably cute guy at school that all of a sudden gets her attention. And she's like her best friend, um, Lupe, who um, is like, hey, let's throw a party because your mom's out of town for the weekend for some real estate conference. Let's throw a party, get to know him a little bit. So they do. <laughs> I love that they throw a party just to get to know one guy. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. It's so adorable. It's so good. And, so she she gets kind of drunk at the party and she unfortunately sees her the love of her life leave with this tall blonde. And so she No offense she, to tall blondes. <laughs> yeah. She flees to the bathroom and to to sulk and she finds this um Christian kid that kind of like has been kind of annoying this entire time but like obviously been hovering around her and her best friend and they end up hooking up. Okay. Um, and then the next morning when she's going to pee, the condom falls out of her. Oh, no. And so she oh, panics. Oh, God, ew. <laughs> like, worst nightmare. Uh-huh. Oh. So she panics, and her and her best friend decide to go to the pharmacist to pick up a Plan B pill. Well, okay. you know. this movie takes place in South Dakota. It's a red state. Oh, okay. The pharmacist says, I'm not going to give it to you because you're underage, and it's against my religious beliefs. And so they decide that they need to go to a Planned Parenthood. But the problem is the Planned Parenthood is in Rapid City, hundreds of miles away. So they have to take a road trip to Rapid okay. City. And so the horror of this is to show what kind of ridiculousness a woman who has made a decision that she regrets later and wants to make sure it doesn't, you know, be a problem for her down the line. The ability to get access to sexual health care is impossible in a lot of states that are red, um, particularly in the center of the country where either Planned Parenthood like laws are, are requiring Planned Parenthood in specific places or they get shut down mm -hmm. or there's like a whole lack of access to it. So in my opinion, this is a horror movie because a lot of the stuff that happens in this, yes, it takes the kind of teen sex comedy angle of things uh, mm -hmm. from a from a feminist perspective. But the fact that they have to go through all these hoops just to get preventable health care for themselves is kind of terrifying yeah that sounds and like real. never rarely sometimes always which is mm. a drama which is about getting access to abortion and not plan b and mm -hmm. i've heard that comparison quite a bit but i know that this is like a comedic kind of take mm -hmm. on that but i see that though it is ridiculous about how hard it is to get contraceptive like health care like like being honest i had to get plan b once when i was in high school and i had to have someone who was older than me go and you had to be 18 or older to buy it. Mm -hmm. And like, and it's also like prohibitively expensive for teenagers, mm -hmm. like a hundred mm -hmm. bucks, which is like a fortune. Mm -hmm. That's a lot for me now, but it's like a fortune mm -hmm. for young girls like that. And like, we all make fucking mistakes in high school. Like it happens. And even if it's not, a like, even if it's your boyfriend, like sometimes it just happens and it shouldn't, 
it's just as baffling to me that it's like, oh, no, you should get pregnant when it's like this person does not want to have a baby and is not equipped to have a baby. So, like, why don't you give her the choice? Mm-hmm. But that's my rant about plan B and how, like, it's ridiculously hard and you have to, like, ask permission. And it's so fucking embarrassing sometimes. Yeah. Like, people shame the shit out of you, depending well, on the was, pharmacist. But, like, that was the other that was the other angle of this is that um, she is Indian and the the pharmacist is also Indian. So she walks in and she's like, oh, Indian mafia, because, like, she's like, oh. it, we're in such a small place that all Indian people will know each other because it's a small community, yeah. especially in like a rural place like South Dakota. And so there's that aspect of it too, where she is like, you know, she's a straight A student. She's all this kind of stuff. She has like her career goals, like plotted out for her. And then there's this minor roadblock because of a mistake that she made. That she... Yeah. And like, so also, it's like, uh. well, and also like, that's the thing. People who are like, you know, more like nerdy or successful straight A students, they also make mistakes and you play mm. B. We all have sex. It, yeah. <laughs> This was also directed by Natalie Morales, um, who also had a movie that premiered at, I think it was South By, I saw it at South By, I believe, called Language Lessons, which is a second screen life uh, oh. romantic, uh, not romantic comedy that has her, it's it's sort of like a, I would say it's kind of an evolution of the mumble, mumblecore, except oh. it's on like, it's on like two screens and it has Mark Duplass in it. Oh. Oh, yes. Okay. I remember hearing about that movie. Really good. Last year, right? Um, actually, no. I think it was uh, South by this year. I mean, maybe a premiere. Premi- I, I thought it was South premiering by South this by. Year. I think it was this year. It was South by this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Time is a construct and I don't know what year it is. Okay. Yeah. Yes. But fantastic director. <laughs> this movie is great. I love cool. it. Cool. Fuck yeah. I want to see it. It's on, is it on Hulu? It's on Hulu. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. So tell me about this vampire anime. Okay. Is this Castlevania still? No, it is not, oh. actually. It is Vampire Hunter D from oh, yeah. the 80s. Mm-hmm. So somehow I'd missed this one, and Steve was like, we should watch it. And I said, hell yeah, we should watch Vampire Hunter D. Have you seen it? I have. That's one of the few uh, <laughs> animes that I know I have seen. It fucking rules. It's, yeah, it It's does. like, it's... It's beautifully animated. It's so gross. And the monster design's amazing. But some of the plot points are really like jump around. But basically, in Vampire Hunter D, it takes place in like the f- post apocalyptic future society where weird mutants and werewolves and vampires basically rule the world. And everyone is kind of fighting for their lives from these vampires. And there's a noble vampire. A really powerful vampire who bites a young girl and she has only a couple days to figure out a cure um, or she'll become his bride that he will use as a plaything because he's thousands of years old and is bored. So there are these people called hunters who are obviously like vampire hunters. She comes across one. His name is D. Um, I, of course, am attracted to him because I <laughs> love animated characters. No shame. And he basically says he will help her some, like defeat the Count and not succumb to his curse. And you come to find out he's half vampire. Um, he's a dampier, which is a combat is, um, you know, what happens when a vampire and a human um, have sex and they have a baby. And it is from the 80s. But it is beautifully animated. It's so mm-hmm. fucking gory. It's so cool. Like, I can't get over it. There's, like, the scene where he runs through a hallway full of these fucking crazy monsters. It's mm. so good. 
there are some weird parts where like the plot makes no sense <laughs> and like things happen and you're like did i miss something yeah but for the animation style alone it's very much worth it it's just really well done and if you like vampires and you like anime it's definitely like a classic you should watch it's it's not the easiest to find i don't know why i mean they have it it's on blu-ray and it's not to be confused with uh vampire hunter d bloodlust from 2016 mm -hmm. which i still have to see this is the og from the 80s um which i highly recommend to check out um even if you're not an anime fan like it's really it's just a really great piece of vampire media and a really interesting um look at the vampire lore yeah and it, you know it, it came out at that time when like vampires were popping in the 80s mm -hmm. in, on the united on the american side so it's always interesting to see how other uh cultures were doing vampires at, at a specific time period and i it's been again a long time since i've seen this i think probably 2000 ish or okay. earlier was when i saw it but um i yeah, I remember really liking this one. So I'm glad it, it's kind of held up. It definitely has. I think so. And I mean, I'm a huge anime person, but I th I still think you'd enjoy it. It's a movie and it's like pretty short, self-contained. Mm -hmm. So It's like 80 minutes, I think, right? Yeah, it's, it's pretty short and they really pack a lot in there. So <laughs> Yeah. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, okay, so what is this masterpiece? Oh my God, Mary Beth. I did not know what I was in for when I sat down to watch Alejandro Jodorowsky's Santa Sangre. Oh my god, I need to but, watch it so bad! Holy shit, this movie. I I don't I don't really know exactly what to say about it. Like my notes are <laughs> opens with a naked man in a tree in a cell, and the doctor's trying to get him to eat like a human, but all he wants to eat is a raw fish. And then we're cut to him as a kid and he was a circus performer and his um, mother is running a cult on the side that is hustle culture running cults on the side <laughs> that is worshiping a, um, a, a, a she's dead, but a young girl who was attacked by her brothers. They cut off her arms and raped her and left her in a pile of blood and she died. And that has become the patron saint of the Santa Sangre religious cult. That's a, a lot. Elephant later on is uh, one of the elephants of the circus performer gets sick and starts vomiting blood up through its trunk and then dies and is carried out through town and then dumped over a cliff where it is torn apart by people at the bottom of the cliff. <laughs> Sorry. It's just like imagining people being like, all hail the sky elephant. <laughs> yes. It, they tumble it up the cliff and then they just start ripping the flesh off of it. I, and this is only in like the first mm, 30 minutes of the film. And it's a two hour long movie. And it turns into a giallo. And there's a lot of psychosexual type stuff in there. Oedipal complex stuff with him and his, his mom, who also gets her arms chopped off. There's a lot going on here, Mary Beth. And I was like watching this going... I don't know how I'm going to talk about this. I don't know if is, a lot of people love this movie. I'm like, I don't know if this movie is good or not. And then it gets to the end and I'm like, oh, no, this movie is great. Fuck yeah. <laughs> this movie is fucking fantastic. And okay. I I don't know. I don't really know how to talk about it. I will say that uh, the Severin um, 4K Blu-ray um, ultra high def Blu-ray restoration of this is fucking gorgeous. This movie... Uh, it's a masterpiece. It really is. I, 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 yeah, I, you got to just go watch it. I, I can't say anything that would like 
makes sense because I don't think anything that I have just said makes 100% sense. It sounds like a fever dream. It is. Well, and I've never actually watched any Jodorowsky, but I know. No, I haven't either. Or Jodorowsky, but I also know that all of his movies are like a fever dream, basically. Mm-hmm. Like Holy Mountain is the one that a lot of people talk about. But like, visu- is it visually stunning? Because I know that a lot oh. of his movies are like gorgeous. It's gorgeous, and you can definitely tell. Uh, like the the movie was co was co written by um, Claudio Argento, who is the brother of Dario Argento. Uh, it definitely has um an Italian feel to it. Okay. especially with like the the bright color scheme and once it does turn into a giallo and there's murders like the murders feel very um giallo-esque okay and it's just it's it's a fascinating film um i'm i don't 100 know what the meaning is behind it i feel like it's probably about how people take on religious iconography and then just sort of keep repeating the past because there's a lot of catholicism in this there's a lot of this this cult in this there's a lot of religious symbolism in this and i just i don't 100 percent know what's going on but i was enraptured the entire time it's a little slow in spots i'm gonna i'll be honest but it all is necessary by the end of the movie and that and the ending of the movie is just mm, perfect fuck it's yeah great. cool it's been on my watch list forever and mm-hmm, hearing you same. talk about it makes me even more excited. Where did you watch it's wild. it? Oh, you I bought the 4K. the 4K. Oh, you had the 4K. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think it was. I don't know if it still is. I think it was streaming somewhere. Maybe Shutter. It says that it's streaming. I mean, I have to pay for it, but that's fine. I've got, again, I've said this before, I've gotten to the point where I'll rent something for three ninety nine. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think. Cause I, I, I did. Uh, it looks like it's on Tubi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. It was but 99 yeah. cents on Amazon. Oh. Get that. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Cool. And I'll be curious to hear your thoughts if you do watch it, because it's um it's wild. It's wild. I need to watch his movies anyway. I need to watch more of his movies anyway. I've heard such good things, but just it's a little bit of a blind spot for me. Yeah. Cool. Same. Absolutely. This is yeah. my first one. Hell yeah. All right. So what is our Ots <laughs> remake watch this week, Mary Beth? Thirteen. I can't even say <laughs> 13 Ghosts from 2001, directed by Steve Beck, starring Matthew Lillard and Tony Shalhoub, and also F. Murray Abraham. Yeah. And um, J.R. Bourne, who I know. I have no idea who that is. From Teen Wolf. And let me tell you, this is a man that definitely got hotter once he got older because him and Teen Wolf is giving me daddy vibes. And like, he was very attractive in that movie i don't think he's as, as attractive as this one he's the lawyer okay, i don't think he's I as say. attractive in this movie he's definitely someone that, that has aged like a fine wine cool so what oh, did so- you think about this movie oh sorry oh and beth davids who played miss honey and matilda is also in this she is kalina uh, matilda was like a staple for me growing up i love that movie it's a based on a roll doll book and mm. she is like the very sweet teacher who teaches matilda and like teaches her what it means to have like a caring person in her life but it's very strange seeing her with like a nose piercing running around this glass (laughs) house um it also has shannon elizabeth in it who proves that she's not the greatest of an actress no if this didn't hold up the way i thought it would oh no it did not age like a fine wine it kind of aged like a cheese that's not supposed to age yeah 
I <laughs> oops. <laughs> I did not like this this watch at all. I had fun ish, but I forgot that like there's like it feels like there's a lot of lore, but you don't really <laughs> learn that much about it. Like <laughs> no. there's thirteen ghosts. But you don't really learn about most of them. It's like, oh, by the way, there's 12 of them. Here's a few, here's like, there's a couple where I'm like, who the fuck are they? Like the old lady, the weird mother, son, creepy ghost. There's a few of them where I'm like, why are they even in this movie? Like you uh-huh. never see them. All they focus it, on is the naked lady. Of course. Of course they do. Of course they do. And I would love some explanations about why they look the way they do. Like why does... um fuck the guy covered in like railroad spikes oh mm-hmm. like why does he look like that what's the what's the context i just wanted so much more out of it in terms of like any kind of explanation i think that in order to get that explanation you have to buy the blu-ray and watch the behind the scenes featurettes which because i believe if i'm not mistaken they have one for each ghost that goes into the That's history like a of lot each of ghost i know that isn't in the movie my problem i guess and you said this movie's fun and i i can grant you that however my problem is as i was watching this i kept thinking okay a big creepy house really nice production design a bad guy who is dead quote unquote and then comes back to life a duplicitous woman um, this is the same plot as House on Haunted Hill. I was going to say, it is just like House on Haunted Hill. And I would much rather watch House on Haunted Hill than this movie. Yeah. That's the problem. And the, the ghost design isn't as good as I thought it was. Like, it's, no. It's pretty cheap looking. It, oh. There's it's, a reason why they have that sort of MTV music video editing, and it's because the ghosts oh do not Oh my god, there's like a flashing. I'm like, this is not fun to watch. Like, it's just kind of headache-inducing. And, like, I liked the part that everyone knows about, about when, you know, the bathroom scene where the mm. the naked woman is in the bathtub and it, like, flashes the blood and says, I'm sorry. And that's really cool, but they don't do that really with anyone else and Mm-mm. have that, like, kind of context and kind of, like, okay, I kind of understand-ish where she might be, like, what she is and kind of that whole thing. She didn't have to be nude. No. That was weird. Yeah, it was kind of gross. <laughs> but happy 2001, everybody. It's like all of the – it was cool. Like It's like all the money was spent on the production design with this glass house that has – it's literally all glass. Like the walls, the floors, it's wild. All I kept thinking as I was watching this also um, – no fault to the movie itself. It's just the way my brain is wired is there's an episode of 30 rock in which um, Jenna is giving her, creating her own obituary. And so she's listing through her, her um, accomplishments and she's like two time Tony Shalhoub sex partner. So I just, every time the Tony Shalhoub was on screen, I just wanted to go two time Tony Shalhoub sex partner. And I kept saying that over and over to myself because that's how my, my brain is wired. It wasn't even good in this movie. No. I did like Matthew Lillard, but I just because I have a soft spot in my heart for Matthew well, Lillard. Yeah, it's Matthew Lillard. And he's the best. For sure. But I also wish this more movie was gorier. I feel like I remember mm. it being gorier, but there really is only like one really gory moment in the beginning when the lawyer is killed in the doors and he's split in half. Yeah, that um that vivisection, I guess is we could call it, is fantastic. It's fantastic. I wanted more of that. Mm-hmm. I feel like 
the scene with the jackal was kind of cool ish but i also thought the jackal was more in the movie they're like yeah once the jackal's here you have to run so you like made it feel like the jackal was going to be this like big plot point and they build it up and i was like which one is the jackal but <laughs> also at the beginning there's this huge set piece in like a junkyard where they capture a ghost and that's the juggernaut and I was like, oh, he's going to be the big bad guy because he kills all of these people. There's 40 victims here. Nine when he was alive. He's added more since then. And like that was a whole other fucking thing that I did not understand. And they capture him. And I was like, oh, okay. So he's going to be like the bad ghost. He's barely in it. There's yeah. just a lot of weird choices. It's like oh. they just kind of took a bunch of ideas and pieced them together and tried to make them cohesive. But weren't successful. <laughs> I, my other question that I had watching this is we in the beginning in the like sort of fairy tale camera turning where they do that echoey voice because everything is in the past when everything was happy. And then we see all of a sudden there's all these late, you know, late bills and things are past due and all that stuff. So they live in this cramped apartment. Everything is past due. They don't have any money. And yet they can afford a nanny. I did love her, though. Oh, she was the best part of this movie. She's hysterical. She was the best part. Rod, Dig- I Rod love- Digga? Yeah. I, think. I also thought they didn't kill her. Wasn't like yeah. a stereotypical, like, token Made it through black the movie. character who's killed. And she's just like, fuck this. Instrumental to them surviving. Right? Exactly. Very funny. Yeah. Smarter but that's than the rest I, of them combined. I didn't even think about that. About, like, okay, they have a nanny, but also live in a tiny apartment and can't pay anything. Right. I love the little kid and his obsession with death. And I wish, again, it <laughs> oh, yeah. carried through more. I was mm. like, okay, this kid's obsessed with death. So he's going to like vibe with these ghosts or there's be like some kind of confrontation about death not like being kind of nothing. It's like they build all these things up for like potentially cool things and then nothing happens. There's no nothing. follow through. No. It's frustrating. Not whatsoever. I don't know. I think I just like the way it looked when I first saw it a long time mm-hmm. ago. I mean, the production design is obviously gorgeous. The house, I I don't think I could ever live in there because I like my privacy and everything is so, but like, it was cool. The floor in the bathroom? I'm like, you don't need to to see that. No. But it was cool. Like, the design was really cool. And that was fascinating. Also, like, that, that shit always scares me when it's like a house and all of the walls and shit change on like a timer i remember you saying that you, you the the houses that are like what you said that are impossibly long or whatever but that kind of that you can get kind of lost in and this is definitely like a maze like yeah. it just it wouldn't I, be fun to live in no i guess yeah also you think it would be a little bit harder to let out the ghosts out I, of their little glass boxes i'm still i mean i'm i might have been not paying attention at that part but i still i'm not 100 percent sure how the lawyer accidentally let him out. It was like they were on that pe- three pedals that somehow control everything. And he <laughs> lifted the money off of it. And that triggered them, which made mm, I'm like, was that a trap? I missed that part. Was that an accident? Like, I wasn't clear. I had read it as a trap. But I was like, but that doesn't make any sense. I don't know. So that was like he lifted it off and like it took it took all the pressure off these pedals at three pedals that somehow controlled and kept all of the ghosts. <laughs> In their cubes. I I also this was a <laughs> lot of work to go through to see the future. I think was that the end goal. I, th- I just remember them saying the most powerful man on the planet. I guess it was seeing the future, but like this made me think about how like 
what's it like to have so much money that you're so bored that you're like, I'm a, <laughs> like all of these movies are like rich people. Like I'm fucking bored. So let me just like develop a casual hobby with the occult, capture these ghosts and fuck around. Like what? <laughs> what? Damn. Get a hobby. That doesn't involve this. I don't know. I just, I was thinking about that. I'm like, it's always a fucking white, old white dude who's bored. And it's like, might as well use all my money that I'm not using on anything else. That's going to be like on the, on the epitaph of the world, a, a white man that's bored with a lot of money. Oops. Literally. World's dead. Yep. So that was that. I mean, I'm glad I rewatched it. Now I know. Yeah. But this one did not hold up, though. It didn't hold up to me. Ugh was not a fan but on a lighter note and a better note who are we talking to on monday mary beth we are talking to writer jessica scott and we are talking about the phenomenal april fool's day which is about bisexuals bisexuals and not a horror movie but also a horror movie so so good and if if you haven't one brain cell (laughs) (laughs) if you haven't seen it before the episode highly recommend you watch it because we will spoil it and you just should you should experience it before you hear us talk about it in my opinion and it's not too difficult to find yeah you know i i'm always i'm always one of those that's like i i'm not beholden to plot to plot and spoilers and whatnot because it's more about how you get there, not what happened. But I will say that this movie is predicated on not really knowing the plot. And I think you'll have a lot more fun not knowing it. And it's playing on Prime. So yeah. if you need something to watch this weekend, make sure to watch that before a conversation. And I didn't know anything about it. So you'll hear my reactions to knowing nothing about it and going in completely unaware of these twists. And it's so fun. So very excited. Yeah. And... Kind of jumping off of that, what are we talking about next week for our aughts journey? The director of April Fool's Day also directed a 1979 film called When a Stranger Calls. So we are going to watch that because, again, Mary Beth does not know how that movie turns out. So we're going to watch that and then we're going to watch the 2006 remake, which I'm not really sure how that's going to pan out. But so context of that 2006 remake, I thought it, I liked it in 2006 when I was a babysitter and it scared the shit out of me. But I had I did not have the context and I was a teenager. I know it's not that good of a movie, but it was like one of those like two those movies you see in theaters like with your friends and you snuck yep. in and you're like, <gasps> it could happen. That fucking movie <laughs> terrified me because I babysat all the time. I was like, it's going to fucking happen to me. <laughs> it didn't. FYI. <laughs> uh, thank God. But... <laughs> oh, babysitters. Oh, God. Um, so, listeners, you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you. Did you watch a film that we watched this week and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for us? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, please don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And like we said earlier, please do not forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Homophobic if not. (laughs) (laughs) Only half kidding. Only half kidding. (laughs) Uh, Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. Oh, no, I'm so 
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>